Piper Bellinger is fashionable and influential, and her reputation as a wild child means the paparazzi are constantly on her heels. When too much champagne and an out-of-control rooftop party land Piper in the slammer, her stepfather decides <laughs> enough is enough. So he cuts her off and sends her and her sister to learn some responsibility running their late father's dive bar in Westport, Washington. Piper hasn't even been in Westport five minutes when she meets big bearded sea captain Brendan Taggart, <laughs> who thinks she won't last a week outside Beverly Hills. So what if Piper can't do math and the idea of sleeping in a shabby apartment with bunk beds gives her hives? How bad could it really be? She's determined to show her stepfather and the hot grumpy local that she's more than just a pretty face. Except it's a small town, and everywhere she turns, she bumps into Brendan. The fun-loving socialite and the gruff fisherman are polar opposites, but there's an undeniable attraction simmering between them. Piper doesn't want any distractions, especially feelings for a man who sails off into the sunset for weeks at a time. Yet as she reconnects with her past and begins to feel at home in Westport, Piper starts to wonder if the cold, glamorous life she knew is what she truly wants. L.A. is calling her name, but Brendan and this town full of memories may have already caught her heart. Wow. I just need to state for the record that the part where you said Piper hasn't even been in Westport five minutes, you said, like, the part on Parks and Rec that was like, Bobby Newport has never worked a day in his life. Welcome to 50%. Guess what? It's unhinged. Brian and Austin actually finished the book. They did it. We weren't sure. It was touch and go. It was touch and go, but Austin finished as of three hours ago, about. (laughs) I roll. I roll. And Ryan was very excited about reading the blurb, so thank you for doing that, Ryan. Um, If y'all hear sniffling in the background, it's because both the dogs are in here, too. It's chaos. We're, we're, We're pressing on. We're gonna see how this goes. We've got our respective menfolk here today. We do. We do indeed. And we force them to read Tessa Bailey. And they have opinions. And we're going to talk about them. So what you just heard was the blurb for It Happened One Summer. So, Abigail, why did we choose this book for the boys to read? (laughs) We chose this one. One, we've talked about it on the podcast a lot. A lot of people have read it. It's a TikTok sensation. But it is Tessa Bailey, who is an author, who prescribes to all the things we love about romance, which is... Uh, sea captains. Sea captains. <laughs> Spicy scenes. Small towns. Uh, great side characters. Great side character- characters. Fixer-upper bars. Yep. Uh, old men who need to be walked to museums. Yes. My favorite side character. <laughs> All um, great things. So, boys, would you like to introduce yourselves? You can just say... What? Hi, everyone. I'm Ryan. Katie's husband. I was like, which one, who do you belong to? <laughs> yes. And I'm Austin. I'm Abigail's fiance. Ooh. Yeah, soon to be husband. He does exist. Hard launch. Hard launch. He's been mentioned multiple times on this podcast. Neither of us are sea captains. (laughs) No. Unfortunately. That would bring a nice twist to this podcast if somebody here was a sea captain. It would. None of us have any experience on boats. We should have gotten just a real sea captain on here. I don't know one of those. (laughs) Evidently you do. He's not a captain, that's for sure. Well... (laughs) I would like to say Austin has a map pulled up right now looking up where the Bering Sea is. So Actually, I'm looking at Westport for your information. Is it a real town? Westport is a real town. Ooh, you heard it here first. 
Westport is real. Pro- you probably didn't hear it here first if you've read this book before. We no. just never bothered to look. So, Ryan, what what is your normal reading routine? What do you like to read? Romance novels about sea captains? You got me. <laughs> He's uh, got a stack of them under his bed. <laughs> No, just about sea captains, not the romance part. No, the sea that's actually rocked my boat. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually not inaccurate. Like if you were reading a history book about sea captains, that would be up your alley, I that's think. That's true. So I mostly read before I go to sleep. Sometimes I'll kind of read throughout the day or I read a lot on airplanes or just killing time stuff. But then I'll read almost exclusively sci-fi to be honest. I read a lot of Star Wars. Hell yeah. Um, and uh, I'll read the occasional, like, I don't know, what would you call it? Just novel? Yeah, but mostly those are like sci-fi or sci-fi adjacent, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. So, But I'm not a fast reader by any means. I don't read that much. It should be said that Ryan and I were both told about this assignment a little over a month ago. Absolutely not. <laughs> I told you like four months ago. <laughs> I purchased the book for Austin about a month ago. About a month ago is when our book, my book showed up. And I finished it today, so... <laughs> no one here is the speed reader except for Katie. I am like the morale hire around here. Austin, do you have anything more to say about your reading habits? My reading habits are very light. I read a lot of like articles, news, like things like that, but I don't read a lot of like books. And this read helped me discover why that is. <laughs> I realized that I read books in the way that I would try to like watch a movie, which is that I skip until I see dialogue. <laughs> and I realized during reading this that I do that and that that makes reading less fun for me because I, then I realize I missed something very important a couple of times in this book with some, sure. some like the specific scenes. Of a book. <laughs> like, like most of the plot. Yeah. <laughs> like a book. Interesting. I should say I've never seen Austin really read a book that's not about like hospitality or wine. Yes, I do, I do read books occasionally, but it's more like reference things. Yes. Homework. Homework. So what did you guys think when we asked you to do this? You, Ryan was nervous. How did you feel, Austin? Homework. <laughs> Homework. <laughs> Fair. No, I was nervous but a little bit excited because obviously it's something that y'all both care a lot about and are really passionate about. Ryan, no. what what did you what did you cuz you didn't want to I kind of had to convince you. Yeah, I was just unsure if I knew if I was going to enjoy it to be honest. I was to, I was afraid it was going to turn into more like homework a little bit. Like I was just going to have to kind of power through, but I I did want to read what you were interested in too for sure you were nervous about coming on the podcast you weren't yeah, necessarily I was nervous, nervous about, about reading. coming on the podcast but yeah, i just didn't know if i was gonna like it so did you it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the loudest <laughs> pause ever <laughs> it was okay i mean i <laughs> <laughs> okay no you said something to me the other day about um liking because we were talking about how there it's there's romance, but then there's also, like, Piper is, like, learning that not everything is, like, surface level. And that you were saying you liked that piece of it, right? Yeah, that was cool. Like, the character development was, was all right. Um, her growing as a person was, was pretty good. I just, for me, I just didn't really like the parts. Like, her describe like, the lovey-dovey parts, to be honest. <laughs> Like, the romance, the romance 
in the, the romance parts. Yeah, and it was just a little. I mean, it was just boring to me, to be honest. Boring. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. 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 Yeah. Austin, what did you think as you were reading? romance i enjoyed it i thought that i was going to like it because of the way that y'all talk about like how much you enjoy romance novels and like the fun of it and how they're just kind of goofy and you have to lean into that and i'm very into leaning into a goofy theme generally in my life like especially when it goes to going to restaurants or whatever like i like a good theme and so with this yeah there was i would say agree with ryan i would say like a little bit more it, it gave me more in some areas than i expected and then in some areas it was like, oh, this is, yeah, pretty much exactly what I thought this was going to look like. <laughs> yeah. I think part of the reason we chose this book was because we wanted a book that was a good mix of, like, the fun, silly, kind of heartwarming stuff, but also some of the sexy stuff. It was, like, a good entry-level Yes. Book for y'all, I think. Like I said, this was like everything that we like in a silly little romance yeah. of, yes, sea captain tropes, small town, silly rich people. I love a silly rich person. Yep. And um, yeah, some spicy scenes. It's got everything. It has everything. Exactly. So this isn't one that I don't think either of us would describe as one of our like favorite favorites, but it's one that we recommend to people a lot. Yes. And that we think of fondly. We do. It's no beach read. It's, oh. it's no beach read. Austin has not read beach read, I should just say that. He just hears me talk about it a lot. Uh, oh, do I? Yes. <laughs> beach read. Yeah, so so what, what did you guys think you were getting into reading this versus what did you actually get? Was it exactly what you expected? Was it different? It was kind of what I expected. It was more tropey than I thought it would be. You know, Brendan was married... And he still wears his ring, which signifies he's committed to his wife, even though she's dead. But that means he's still available, but in a way, kind of not available. It, it was just very on the nose for me. You really yeah. this down. You're right. That was very on the nose. One of the more on the nose metaphors that I didn't like pick up on until the book ended, and I was like, oh, that was obvious, um, was the pot pie. Um, oh, gosh. I, the pot pie was like Brendan's old marriage where he was like, I didn't really love it, but I'm just going to finish it. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't think that up nice, man. That's good. Yeah. Y'all are deep readers. Wow. I mean, the, 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 the spicy parts were kind of what I expected. To me, they were pretty spicy. <laughs> yeah, this was a, this, we, this one that we picked, I didn't think, it, I knew it was pretty spicy, but it's been, I haven't read it since it came out, mm-hmm. which was like, at least two years ago. And so I didn't remember, like, some of the parts I was like, oh, God, we made them read this. <laughs> it comes out, like, very suddenly, too, where it's, like, kind of like you're most of the way through the book. It's pretty, like, innocent. And or then just, they're like, fucking in a hospital room. Not even that. It's just when he, after he sees her in, his under, in her underwear oh, in the apartment, yeah. and he's, like, t- thinking about what she looked like, and it's just, like, P word. And I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but, yeah. you know, it was like, oh, I forgot about that. This is that kind of book. Forgot. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of funny how, to me, how Tessa Bailey is very, like, on the nose with that. But she went to great lengths to not use other words, that like, slang words for male anatomy specifically. Yes. She was, like, she, she there's a lot of, like, colorful descriptors. Okay, yeah. I wanted to ask y'all about this, about what it was like reading, a like, a woman writing a man's, like, perspective. Austin, go. Yeah. yeah. 
I that was my only like issue I think with the writing this of this issue. book. The only the only flag I raised is that she kept writing as like of male arousal as like being painful. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's like, true. Like, That's true. I'm just one guy, but it's not something I've ever experienced. Like pain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> PSA to all romance. I guess she writers. was going for like a blue balls kind of vibe. Yeah. But. It, well, it did happen frequently, considering how much yeah. they were fucking. <laughs> right. Yeah. There was a lot of, like, straining against zippers. It oh, like, yeah. yeah. That I mean, happens yeah, a lot. Yeah, but not, like, in a <laughs> painful way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is There's a lot-, a lot of straining against zippers in these books. That happens yeah. at least once in every book. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so do we want to run through some of the high points from the book as we normally do and... See what the boys thought? Yes, we're going to kind of treat this as a normal book club episode and probably a little less in-depth as we've established. This is a silly book. It's not capital L literary romance. It's no dead romantics. So yeah, we're going to we're gonna run through the plot with uh, these respective... With color. With color. Yeah, and color commentary. Yeah, especially since this is a read that's been out for a while. So you guys all know what's happening. And most of you have probably read this, I imagine. But we start with Piper. <laughs> it was a fucking mess. I love Piper. I love her. I love her. So, fun fact that I don't know if the boys know, Piper is inspired by Alexis from Schitt's Creek. Oh, the sister. Yeah, the blonde. Tessa Bailey has openly said that that was who Piper was inspired by. I fully forgot about that and just pictured them as Paris Hilton and Nikki... Nikki Hilton, yeah. From The Simple Life. Oh, uh, Nicole, Nicole Richie. Nicole, Nicole Richie. Richie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. this is also basically the simple life. Yeah. Yes, truly. So, at the beginning of the book, Piper gets dumped by her boyfriend, her longest relationship she's ever been in, three whole weeks. Three, three whole, whole weeks. weeks. <laughs> in my notes, I said, he basically calls her shallow and boring, and I said in parentheses, she is. She, <laughs> she is. At the beginning. At the beginning. She is. So then she urges 200 people to break into the rooftop pool at the Mondrian, the Vanderpump rules of it all, guys night at the Mondrian. Shit, you're right. I didn't catch that. <laughs> I know. That was my first thought. I was like, all the bad shit goes down at the Mondrian. <laughs> was Tom Sandoval there? Tom Sandoval. <laughs> I can't believe it was Tom, Tom Sandoval. Sandoval. Okay. But yeah, so they break into the rooftop pool at the Mondrian. Piper goes to jail. I have so many questions about how this happened. <laughs> 200 people sneaking. Like, there's people in that hotel. What do you mean? It's a hotel. Somebody works at the front desk. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, she goes to jail, befriends the female, like, security guard. What are they called? She can befriend anyone. Exactly. There yes. you go. What is uh, J- Jailer? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Correctional officer. The correctional officer. <laughs> So, initial reactions to Piper at the beginning of this book when we just drop into her, her chaos. Woes. Yeah. Yeah. So, this book shifts perspectives a lot, which I like. Like, there's parts that from Piper's point of view or more focused on Piper, and then there's parts more from Brendan's point of view or more or focused on him. And at the beginning, we're writing, for, we're seeing Piper's point of view. We're like bringing Piper's life first, and it makes sense that like she thinks of herself as being shallow and vapid at this point in her life. So she re- it's written as though she is. Yeah, I Piper at this point was like, it's almost like setting you up to feel like this girl deserves a reality check. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. 
What did you think of Piper early on? I know you were a little annoyed with the brand name drops. I don't know. I, I didn't think much of her. I mean, she I could tell what kind of character she was going to be. and um, The jail scene, I remember... I remember I was hoping, I was like, I hope she doesn't get to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but, uh, but she deserves in. to pee in the weird yeah, toilet. Pee in the cell. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, that, I guess that explained her character a little bit, that she was able to talk her way out of it and stuff. That's fair. Yeah, that is fair. So then she, Piper is banished to Westport by her evil stepdad. Daniel. Daniel. And um, Abigail remembers all the names. I don't remember any of the names ever. They leave my brain. And her sister Hannah decides to come with her, even though she is gainfully employed, which her stepdad's an asshole and is like, well, I got you that job, but at least you're doing something. Yeah. Uh, He sucks. He sucks. Anyway, but they get banished to Westport, but not before their mom, Maureen, comes to warn them about falling in love with fishermen. So... They are originally from Westport, and their father died when they were both very young. He was also a was the sea captain. Also was a sea captain. Well, was he a captain or just? I, a... I don't know. He was a. He was a. No, he wasn't. No, he. Sea captain is a catch-all term for <laughs> me in this yeah. book. All the men in this book are sea captains if they go on a boat. He tragically got washed off a boat and drowned after a long period where nobody had died on a boat, and so. They never really knew their father, and now they're getting banished to the town where he was from. They have not been back since Piper was five. Hannah was, like, two. Mm-hmm. And now they are going to go live there for three months and get a reality check. So, that's yeah. what happens. So, as you said, very simple life. This is where, we talked about this before we were recording, but this is the part of my notes that I wrote, is the reason I like this book so much because I was obsessed with Deadliest Catch. <laughs> So when we were talking about it, I was reading the book earlier today, and I was like, what is it like being on a fishing boat? I should watch Deadliest Catch. It's a great show. It's a great show. For the Deadliest Catch watchers, Ryan and Katie, are there any hot sea captains on Deadliest Catch? No. No. that Not that I remember, but you've watched it a lot more than I have, so. But I mostly watched it when I was in high school, and mostly all of them are like in their 50s, so I wasn't really... Yeah, they're just grouchy old men that rip six, essentially, right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Hot. It's a very high-stakes TV show, to be honest. We should watch that later. So I was obsessed with Deadliest Catch, and now I might might go back down to a bad place. That show does not leave me in a good mental state watching it, because it's very stressful. So the girls move to Westport, and the apartment that they're living in is over the bar that belonged to their dad that has now been commandeered. I love this. It's like a speakeasy. Yeah, not even... It, basically, people just stock beer and hang out there. Right, they just, like, fill the coolers. Love it. That's, and serve themselves. This is all I want in my life, honestly. That's genius. Do you need a liquor license when it's set up that way? Austin. Austin. <laughs> I can't speak for Washington, but I... Texas, you can definitely have BYOB spots. Like, we went to the Neighbors was a BYOB dog park for a long enough time. I think technically in that case, you would probably still have to serve some food if you wanted to make it a business. But, like, you could probably do, like, a private club that's just, like, bring your own beer and hang out and watch sports and shoot the shit. Yeah, There's... it's just like a like an empty building. It's not even, like, oh, I can't totally, imagine it's a registered it's totally business. not registered. Yeah. Like, this is not a, this is the no name for a reason. Right. They're squatters. They're yeah. pirates. Yeah, squatters. They're literal sea captain pirates. Yeah. Taking over, commandeering this bar. Yes. 
of a dead man. Yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with the bar. This is again truly all I want in my life is just to go somewhere where I can bring a six pack every day and all my friends are there. That's it. So like now? I mean yes, but this <laughs> this is your home. What we're doing right no, now. No, 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 but this is your home. Yeah. An external a place. An, an, an external location, yeah. Yeah. Have you heard the theory of like everyone needs a third place? It's like, you know, you have your home, you have work, and then your third place oh. is your community center, and that's yep. what makes you a healthy person is you yep. have a third place. I don't have a third place. Exactly. You're not in the prime of your life. Evidently not. <laughs> like our, I'm yeah. troubled. Yeah, you need do you a have a third? Team. You don't have a third place either. That's true. The soccer field. The soccer That's field true. could be your the third so- place. The soccer field counts. Yeah, ours would probably be like the dog park. The dog park. Yeah. The gym is one. Right. Church is one right. for people. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't have a third place. It's all coming together. <laughs> Kate, That's a Bailey sent Katie into an existential crisis. Yeah. crisis. Katie just had a breakthrough. Yeah. <laughs> my, th- my third place is the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Almost counts. Yeah, so they just bust in this bar expecting it to be empty and like in tatters. And it's like record scratch. Yeah. <laughs> and instead they find a thriving bar. A thriving community of drinkers. Yes. And a distressed janitor. He's yeah. drunk. Yeah, he's drunk. He's been cashing them checks. Best job ever, by the way. Yeah. yeah. He's cashing checks from their stepdad to, quote unquote, maintain this bar, which probably means buy a few six packs every day. Yeah. This uh, bar that has clearly not been maintained. No. So a variety of shenanigans ensue. Brendan and Piper cross paths. Brendan is cranky. Brendan sees her first at No Name and is like, who's this bitch? Yeah. Why? What is she doing here? And immediately is like, these girls can't survive in Westport. <laughs> Bobby Newport. <laughs> I can't. Oh, it's the only thing I can think about every time we say Westport. Westport. Piper, yeah. Piper. So they have a, a stressful interaction. Yes, they have a stressful interaction. And then Piper and Hannah have to sleep in this rat infested apartment that is above the bar which just reminded me of my hannah in her possum house oh no by the time this comes out hannah will not be in her possum house my sister was living in a hundred plus year old house in kansas city with a landlord who did not maintain it much like this janitor of this bar just cash and checks just cash and checks checks, and uh allowed families of rats and possums to infest their basement um, if you need to catch pests, Cheetos. That is what we have learned. <laughs> I think that there was probably, like, this was probably the moment at which Piper was most grateful. <laughs> because it's like, you walk into that thing, you're like, at least I'm not alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That was, like, her first lesson in humility, I think, was like, oh, there's a person who's willing to, like, go through this with me because otherwise I'd be just plumb out of luck. Yeah, that's fair. What were, what were y'all's first impressions of Brendan? When we when we met him, well, we meet him from his point of view, but yeah, this is a third person omnipotent, omnipotent third person. Sure, yeah. something it's like been that. Been a long time since I took an English class. I mean, class. my impressions were he was just a manly man, <laughs> like they described him as his. Yeah, just guys he's being got dudes. His beard, he's a tall guy, strong guy. He has that authoritative like. He's like the unofficial mayor of the town, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to describe it. He's built like a motherfucker. Yeah, that's true. We (laughs) we learn that later. Yeah, he's a big dude. He does not look big on the cover. 
No, he looks kind of like he a weenie does. on the cover. He kind of does. He looks like big but tender, like like <laughs> exactly, Washington yeah. in a person. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a V-neck on. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Show off his pecs. I like. I think he looks hot on the cover. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, we also we didn't talk about first impressions of uh, another important character, Hannah, mm-hmm. who jumps into this book right around the same time. Really, it's like you know. A very short chapter before Brendan comes in. And Hannah is definitely, like, the feisty but, like, kind of nerdy bookish character. She kind of reminds me of, like, Lane in... uh, Gilmore Girls? Gilmore Girls, Are you flirting with me? (laughs) No, I was hoping that you would remind me. No, I wanted to see if you would get there. Uh, And she's, she's kind of the opposite of... Piper, I feel like, too. Yeah. Hannah does not get enough credit in this book, but she does get her own book after this one. Yeah, yeah she... my on my on my reread of this, I was kind of frustrated by how one-dimensional Hannah comes off in hindsight, having read the okay. second book. Yes. And I'm like, dang, I wish she had gotten more of her moment in the first one. But it, she got a whole ass book, so it's okay. Yeah, it's fine in this one. Yeah. And we'll, as soon as you read this one, you're like, oh yeah, Hannah's going to get a whole ass book afterward right like this is another thing that like if you're not like trained to recognize these things like you can tell like oh yeah like even before they say there's a second book coming it's like there's going to be another book that's from Mm -hmm. hannah's perspective just from the way that they write some of the side characters yes i love hannah and her record store obsession and her giant headphones she takes everywhere love her oh we also meet fox who is also very one-dimensional more one-dimensional in this book than I remembered him being. Yes. We very much only spent time with Piper and Brendan, really, in this book. Yeah, that was one of your gripes, is that you wanted more of the side characters, right? Yeah, I mean, they... Like, Grandma? Grandma just got... They got Grandma shit-faced and then bailed on her for the rest of the book. <laughs> you are absolutely correct. <laughs> That's you true. Can, you can find your own way they home. They just left yeah. Opal I, at the bar. Yeah, her yeah, first yeah, time was... out in 20 years, and yeah. they leave her at the yeah, bar so she can like, go right, get laid. That was yeah. fun later. Yeah. <laughs> Bananas. They, they do mention later that she stops by Opal's after taking... What's his name for walk? Yeah, day. yeah. They like they. There's mentions of like, oh, and then they went to go visit Opal or whatever. So like, yeah. she's checked on, but Opal well, also gets more of a moment in the sun in the next book. Yes, that's true. That's true. I th- one of the things that stuck out to me about Fox, well, and just again, like, you know, these uh, what I'm learning a lot about romance books, like the romance tropes and whatnot, is. Uh, this don't ask, don't tell mentality between the guys, mm. which I think is wildly ina- inaccurate because um, there's one part where Fox is like, he went to meet a girl that he met online and stayed for two nights and Brennan didn't ask him because better to leave those things private. And I was like, dude, no. (laughs) Brennan would be like, you guys bang? What happened? Like, is she hot? Like, This is fascinating. These are sea boat guys. Yeah, they would definitely, it would be locker room talk going on. Grizzlier than this, I feel like. Well, and there's multiple times in the book too where this happens. Like, um, he doesn't tell, Brennan doesn't tell Fox about the stuff that him and Piper are getting up to. What do you tell your friends? Now I'm, now I'm like... But <laughs> it's different when you're in a long-term relationship right, yeah. and everyone's like, yeah, they're banging. 
But when you're like, <laughs> they're married. I yeah, guess they're banging. Yeah, but then when I you're, assume they have once. Right? Yeah, but when you're like <laughs> with this a new person and stuff, yeah. like you're gonna tell your friends about it. And no, it's not in detail. Right. But you're not gonna be like, oh, I didn't even ask. You know. Yeah. And I think so. I mean, I was gonna ask you human. about there's yeah, there's curiosity for sure. Like when you're basically single, I think that was part of like Brendan's whole thing. Is like this stoic, like still he's, married in air quotes kind yeah. of guy. Is that he's like I am pure. <laughs> like I am not. Right. Like I am not seen as someone who I don't engages in such behavior. Um, yeah. but yeah, also what well, de- definitely an accurate trope <laughs> like for sea captains. I mean, I get Braden's like commitment and duty and things that he felt, especially like a little bit of a toxic relationship Brendan and Mick had even during their marriage. That was a little bit uh, tough, I think. Yeah, he's definitely. like, I'm gonna give you my boat, and also you're gonna marry my daughter. And it's like, oh man, you, this guy holds a lot of power over another person. <laughs> I, have, I have beef with Mick. Ooh, yeah. So let's talk about Mick and Desiree, his ex-wife, who yeah. tragically passed away seven years before the events of this book. And Brendan has still been wearing his wedding ring. He's never dated anyone else. He's never slept with anyone else. And he is the captain of the boat that was given to him by his father-in-law Mick. right i think we see a lot of like piper's character in that initial meeting when she sees the wedding ring she's like oh mm. i'm done i'm done flirting mm-hmm. with this person yeah like because it would be easy at this point she's been just painted as this like vapid shallow person so it would be easy for her to just be like oh this guy's interested in me like i'm just gonna keep on going i just got broken up with but we do see her like pretty much immediately lose interest accuracy hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> but in reality um yeah, it says a lot about Piper in that early moment that she's not like other girls. She's not like other girls. We get a there's some at least one more meeting with Brendan before we get to the point about like his marriage and that whole thing because it happens in the grocery store, right? And it's when Piper lights the pan on fire, which right. that part was hilarious. It was to so me. funny. I was like, "Yo, you you use the same rag you use cleaning supplies with," and it's like, "How did you not smell that?" Yeah. To, to, and so that that part was kind of funny. My yeah. first thought when they talked about them cleaning the apartment was like they definitely created mustard gas. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea how bleach they, and ammonia work. They mix yeah. all the wrong chemicals together. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they run in they run into each other in the grocery store, and then later on, Brendan and. Fox are having dinner or something, right? Yeah. They're having yeah. dinner at the Red Buoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across the street. Across the street where Brennan is eating his fish and chips, which, perfect order. Love fish and chips. Yep. He's right. Every Monday night. Brennan is a man of routine. Yes. He's a man of routine. And tradition. Yep. And Piper runs out of the building with a pan on fire after she attempted to cook spaghetti well okay i have to say the brain meat the the brain meat meat. i have to commend her reaction because i would not have thought to run out the door but that's probably the best case scenario if there's not like a fire extinguisher in the room you're not wrong right but i had questions about the logistics of this fire oh yes they talk about it being also on the counter and it's like yeah is this a grease fire? Because it's if it's a grease fire, Whoa. you're fucked. But the, the the bravery of of taking the pan outdoors, I feel like, is admirable. Did she have oven mitts on? I don't, it all sounds because also if you're running with the pan and you're holding it out in front of you, you're like 
the wind from the running is blowing the fire toward you. Did oh, Tessa Bailey light a pan on fire and run outside with it to do research for this book? Tessa, tell us. Please. I want to know. So, after she runs outside with the pan on fire, Brendan puts it out with a fire extinguisher. He screams at the bar girl to give him and <laughs> yells at Piper. Hannah yells back at him. And then he and Piper have dinner together and they kind of like oh, right. they call... have this cute little moment mm-hmm. call... this is when we see that like brendan does like care about piper a little bit yes. he's not just like this big mean guy and it takes hannah to like show him what's what to so, get him to get to there so and remind me why does why does brendan start liking piper because she's hot because okay. she's hot okay. yeah and cool. it's been seven years yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true yeah Okay. Maybe yeah. that's why it's painful. <laughs> I forgot how this feels. <laughs> A drought like none other. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So then Brendan ships out shortly after. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and this is my favorite, other than the jeans. This is my favorite scene in the book when Brendan is trying to figure out Instagram. <laughs> oh, incredible moment. Incredible. Because this man's just, a moron. He just follows her and everyone else on the boat is like, bro, you can't just follow her. She's going to see that. And he's like, well, Oops. okay. <laughs> I guess I did. And she's the only one that he follows. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Real name and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even a Finsta. Nope. Uh, Captain well, Brendan Taggart. <laughs> I also love how he's like, I'm gonna have a hard time not finding an alone place on this boat with this Instagram picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's jerking off <laughs> in his bunk bed. In his bunk bed. <laughs> um, but he does a sweet thing and he tells the handyman, Abe, who we learn later is Abe, uh, to fix the the um she keeps hitting her head on her bunk bed. Yes. And so he installs padding. Kind. Yeah. yeah. Kind man. Sweet, sweet Abe. Yeah, sweet, sweet, sweet Abe. Abe. And then Piper volunteers to walk Abe to the museum up the stairs because he can't go up the steps Which... to read his newspaper in the mornings. I love Abe. I... Abe is beloved, but also like a little bit of a harbinger of chaos later in the book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Abe, turns... Abe kind of fucks some stuff up on accident. <laughs> it's not his fault. No. It's entirely his fault. <laughs> He has an accident. Yeah. So, importantly, at some point in this middle section of the book, she also meets Opal, her her grandmother. Yes. Opal has been basically inside for 20 years, 20 plus years since Henry Cross, their father, died. And she's just been grieving. And Piper goes to meet her after multiple people are like, oh, have you gone to see Opal yet? And she's like, who's Opal? Okay. At what point, at, at no point would you say who's Opal? Because this bitch doesn't even ask. I... <laughs> They're like, everyone's like, you need to go see Opal. And I'm like, this is this is like the town oracle. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what person. I thought too, yeah. Go see Opal. At no yeah. point, at no point is Piper like, I guns. don't know who that is. Wouldn't that be the first thing you say? It's like, Opal, no, who's that? Like, why are you not asking follow-up questions? Yes, you're correct. I would like to think I would have enough foresight to be like, I don't want to look like a moron, but I would be like, who the fuck is Opal? Yeah, at least, at second time, at least, be like, okay, 
people keep mentioning this person. Opal could who be like they? the town mayor who's a dog. Like, right. who knows? Right. With that name, it could be anyone. It could be anyone. But she goes to see Opal. Opal is, yeah, a hermit, basically. Yeah. And... Only sees her hairdresser. Yes. But Piper quickly befriends her. So we meet Opal. We meet Abe. Our favorite town oldies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the girls decide to fix up the bar. We haven't mentioned that. They decide to fix up the bar. Yeah, I think that was after the first meeting with Opal, right? Yeah. They were like... Somewhere around then. They decide to fix up the bar because they are like... They went to their father's memorial. Yeah, he Opal has a statue. Opal them more information about their father. And they went to see his memorial and this was like very impactful to them, but they didn't really talk about it. They didn't talk... They didn't like feel their feelings. They just kind of went about their day with it. And then when they realized that, like, Opal was there and it was real and it was still alive, and then they were like, okay, we need to, like, honor his memory, this man that they have never met. And also, in the meantime, maybe they can impress their stepfather and get back to L.A. sooner, which is the real motivating the factor. The real plan. Yes. <laughs> That's right. I love, I love, so the, the, the bar redesign is the most obvious thing ever. Nautical. Nautical themed. But I'm like, I would fucking hang out in this place. It sounds awesome. I picture <laughs> it great. like Joe's Crab Shack. Me too. That's Stop. how I picture it too. Well, the second you say there are nets hanging from the ceiling, I'm like, yeah, Joe's Crab Shack. Give me that like two pounds for 20 bucks bucket. <laughs> like, I miss Joe's Crab Shack. Can Joe's Crab Joe's? Shack, but make it Joanna Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's J-O apostrophe. Joe, yeah. crab crab, Joe's Crab Shack. Put up the shiplap. <laughs> So they're fixing up the bar. Brendan and Piper are friends, question mark. Question mark. Brendan inserts it himself uh, into the process. Yes, by builds building a pergola. A, <laughs> building a pergola. Becomes full full chip gains and starts building her a pergola. Well, he does well. He, did, yeah. he does a good job. But he keeps showing up and then disappearing without saying goodbye. <laughs> yeah, and just like showing up with more power tools and more help and mm-hmm. just like helping Piper and Hannah achieve their dream of this nautical bar. <laughs> with a pergola. And so he seduces her with a pergola. They have their first kiss. It's earlier than 50%. I was reading a print version, so oh. I didn't clock when, but I, I think it's tracking. about... It's just before 50%. <gasps> Did you wow. calculate it? Yeah. <gasps> Like, I think it's like six pages before fifty percent or something like that. Wow. Yeah, because I think the first, not the first spicy scene, was also right around, if not quite, right before fifty percent. Yeah. That's that's what I was. I guess the first kiss is the, which is in the bar. So then he invites her to make dinner. I don't know why this is not in my notes. He makes dinner for her. Yes, he makes dinner for her. He makes fish, obviously. Of course, obviously. What is <laughs> the only thing he knows how to cook? What's he gonna cook? Chicken. You gotta have one. Everybody's gotta have one really good thing. Okay, wait. Ryan, what's your one really good thing you can make? Chicken piccata. <laughs> nice, that's a good one. Yeah. Austin, what's your one really good thing you can make? Best thing? Yeah, okay. Austin like went to one, culinary uh, school, so he's flexing. I can make a lot of things pretty good. I can't do a lot of things, like, really good. What's your I'm seducing a woman dish? Risotto. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say so, unless you used a different dish on me. All right, everyone, take notes. If you're seducing a woman, it's chicken piccata or risotto. (laughs) Risotto. 
Or fish. Just have a thing. Yeah. Just have one Just thing have you can do good. have one thing. That's yeah. fair. But That's he cooks fair. her fish. He buys her champagne because she's a classy woman. Even though yeah. he doesn't drink it. And he's like, it was expensive, so I hope it's good. <laughs> and he bought two bottles, too. I know. That he was cute. He bought two bottles. I drink beer, though. <laughs> <laughs> he does not drink champagne. But... The evening progresses. Piper is trying to just, like, make it about sex because she doesn't want to be tied emotionally to this man because she's like, I'm going back to L.A. I don't belong here. This is where we get to the first really spicy scene of the book. Tessa Bailey comes out swinging. (laughs) Genuinely. Yeah, they fool around on the kitchen table. (laughs) Yeah, they do fool around and for a few pages. Yep. It's extended. It's an extended scene. What did you guys think reading this first spicy scene in Tessa Bailey's It Happened One Summer? Well, it was, I think it was probably the longest scene in terms of the page length. Mm -hmm. But it was also like, it's the first and there was a lot going on. Um, So it was, I think it was a good like first meet scene where you can tell there's like undeniable feelings, but it's not like immediate right out of the gate like they are all the way right like there's still like brendan still has these lingering feelings and like piper's really just like trying to get there but he's like she she realized this is when you realize like the dynamic of like piper trying to keep it casual but brendan really like rustling with these feelings and wanting it to be like a full commitment kind of deal yeah, were 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 y'all expecting it to be as um, explicit as no, it was? No, it was very ex- descriptively explicit or explicitly descriptive. Yeah, <laughs> both yeah. both are true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> both are true. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't expecting it, and that's where I first learned all the the words that <laughs> they use in romance novels to describe certain things. So all the euphemisms. Oh yeah, I was like, this is kind of what Katie and I used to joke about a little bit, and now I'm seeing all the words. Yeah, there, so. I was about to bring that up because when I read the first Tessa Bailey series that I read was the um the the Hot and Hammered series, as we've discussed on this mm. podcast before. Um. And it was one of the books in that series that I was like, Ryan, let me tell you what this line says. And the guy is like, I'm packing enough wood to build a deck. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> a line we have discussed on this podcast. Yes, yeah. And so that's been the like literal running joke for years between the two of us. And so that was also part of the reason I chose, I wanted us to do a Tessa Bailey book because she wrote... Ryan's favorite line. <laughs> and it was, like, I liked that it was written kind of playfully. Like, there was the whole, like, the line we referenced a moment ago. Like, Brennan was built like a motherfucker. <laughs> it was, like, just yeah. pauses. It was, like, dude was yoked. <laughs> it's, like, yes. very, like, playfully written. And then, but also, like, yeah. And then it's, like, it's noted that, like, Brendan is officially leaving. He's, mm-hmm. like, he's going for two weeks to go to Alaska and hunt crabs or whatever <laughs> hunt crabs or whatever <laughs> so post post sex scene we have a time jump of almost two weeks mm-hmm. brendan is caught in a storm we yes. learned and piper freaks the fuck out she runs to his house yeah like in a in the storm which granted it's like three blocks away right apparently but still i don't know i would probably do this he was like, that's unsafe. And I was like, is it that? It's three unsafe? blocks. Yeah. It's rain. And she- also their power went out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. At that's the bar. right. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and if it's this rickety ass bar they're in, like, 
I mean, it must have been kind of scary being in there. Yeah. This building that potentially could seem like it's falling down at any moment. Also, I'm going to be real. If some man is like, you can go to my house when I'm gone, and I ha- and he has a big, nice house, and I'm in bunk beds with my sister, I would have been there two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I would have been there the moment he left. A thousand percent. <laughs> in, a, in a big king-size bed. You know what I like? food out of the fridge. Yeah. You know what I like? It's to be comfortable. You know what I don't care about? My pride. Exactly. I'm in but, that comfortable bed. Yeah. Yes. Also, it is kind of a, a, a gamble to go there. I feel like it's that's either going one or two ways. You're freaking the guy out, and he's like, well, you came over while I wasn't there? Even though he said she could, right. I guess. But still kind of a power move. So. You know what? I value my two weeks of comfort over freaking out a guy. Yeah. I would have been freak- like, I can deal with it in two weeks, but for now, king-size bed. Yeah. You told me I could come over if you didn't mean it. Sorry, that's your yeah, fault. There's a bottle yeah. of champagne in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically asking me to hang out there. What do you mean you didn't mean it? <laughs> so yeah, Piper freaks out. Brendan makes it home safe, safely, but she hears that he's at the hospital. But what she thinks is he's in the hospital because, of course, whoever tells her is vague. Yes. As these books go. Something happened. There was an accident. We get a little bit of Brendan's perspective while he's going through the storm. And he's like, we've done this before. We'll do it again. Whatever. And, and then, he's like, I gotta get home to my woman. Yeah, my woman. <laughs> he's distracted for the first time in mm-hmm. his life. Yes, they make that very clear. But unfortunately, one of his crewmates, Sanders, suffers a pretty bad concussion to where he had to be airlifted to Seattle or the nearest hospital, whichever yeah. it was. And Piper goes to... Meet him there. She can't get a hold of him. She finds out Brendan's okay. And then they fuck in the hospital. Yeah, I don't like this. Mm, we have discussed Tessa Bailey's choices of sex scenes. Uh, this bothers me more than the church. Doesn't bother me as much as the church when they fuck in a church in the my church killer was, vacation. The church was funny. <laughs> we had a long discussion about them fucking in the church. Yeah, we did. I hated that. It felt weird. Well, okay, this one... Is weird because it's so much more public. Because when they're in the church in My Killer Vacation, there's no one in the church. But this is a hospital. People work there, here. There are in the a hosp- lot of people present. Okay, but in the hospital sex scene, he puts a chair under the door. And he's got curtains. The church, they just fuck out in the open. In the, vesti- <laughs> in the vestibule. In the vestibule! <laughs> At least he had precautions. That's they, true. That's true. I remember they do mention that no one's at the hospital. Like I know. The parking lot was at, but I, it's I, I still agree. so weird. Yeah. How are they able to relax enough? I would be like, someone's coming yeah, in. Yeah, or like a doctor's like, we need the life-saving drugs in this room. <laughs> <And they're> like, <laughs> this room only. <laughs> the, the drugs are only in this room. Yeah. My favorite part of that was... That when they're discussing like to use a condom or not, and he was like, "Oh, I didn't bring one," which was like he cared about it, and they're like, "Well, we both saw our physicians recently." <laughs> yeah, and like, oh I my go- physician! I gotta say, these moments happen a lot in books, and I fu- I recognize why it's important, but just fucking stop it. It kills the vibe for me. <laughs> like, yeah. there's always a conversation about a con- a-, a condom, and I'm like, just. Well, I can suspend my belief. Just go. Just do it. Well, it's either, get to the point. So in these books, it's either they fuck without a condom, and in this case, it's fine, and we're just doing our due diligence of having the conversation. This is an educational moment for people who don't have sex in hospitals. 
Otherwise, it means a baby is coming. Yeah, there is there is an entire romance trope that is surprise baby, which is mine and Abigail's least favorite type of book. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. I don't want a baby. I feel like talking about the condom is a trope in itself, because it's like showing that like he cares, and Mm. I would love you guys' comment on this, because I'm like, oh, he cares. He's thinking about it. He's and there's so many times in this book where there's this theme of where like Brendan's holding back his his masculine urges and stuff mm-hmm. to, like, satisfy whatever or, like, uh, to have a conversation before they have sex or talk about their feelings or whatever the case is, you know, and I feel like that's that was just an extension of that. Yeah, I think it's less of a trope and more of just, like, a trend with a lot of, like, contemporary romances of the last few years of, like, most of them do feature some sort of conversation around, like, sexual health or contraception or consent or whatever like I feel like it's been a long time since I've read a romance novel that didn't have some element of that yeah it's like covering your bases a little bit of like you know you don't want to kind of make it acceptable to just like you know fuck without a condom and not know the consequences of it yeah but it it, you're not wrong either Ryan like it is kind of in this instance him showing his character of like oh I care about you know right your safety and whatnot and like you know as women, we do appreciate that. But there is also them covering their bases of like, hey, you know, a lot of younger women read these books. Like, these are conversations you should have with somebody you're mm-hmm. sleeping with and making sure everyone's safe. And like, you know, those are good things. But it also, to Katie's point, does kill the vibe a little bit. Yeah, because it, it, like, it happens in every book, which again is like, it's important, but I'm like, okay, I get it. Can we just assume... That everything's okay and we're just moving on. Or even just have him have a condom. Right. Whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be a conversation yeah. necessarily. Yeah. I feel like the point at which they should have had this conversation was before he left in the first spicy scene. Mm. Like, in terms of, like, sexual health and things like sure. that. And there was, like, some consent in that conversation in the first scene. Um, definitely, like, pieces alluded to there. But, like... There was, they were, they were raw the first time. Like, let's be real. Yeah. But in that first one, too, they, well, of course, they don't actually end up having sex. But I, right? No. Yeah. The first time, yeah. yeah. And then I feel like there's a point in that scene, too, where, like, Brennan accepts that they're not going to. But yeah. So, so they're together now. They're together. Yeah. They haven't yet established anything at this point. When Mm -hmm. they, the, just before the third spicy scene <laughs> is when Brendan takes uh, Piper out on the Delray, and mm-hmm. that's when it's established that they're, they're quote-unquote more than friends. Yes, she lets the boyfriend word slip. Yeah. A little bit. And they also have some very like emotional conversations about the fact that he has a very dangerous job and it worries her uh, that he was also married before. Mm-hmm. Like that's a serious conversation. And so they have these kind of emotional beats and then, you know, then they fuck on the boat. Yeah, and yeah. And Piper's also resistant to seasickness. Uh, very conveniently. <laughs> yeah, very conveniently, Piper. C- couldn't be me. Could not be me. Also, I don't like boats. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna throw up on a boat. But Piper and Brendan are together, and Piper, we learn from her internal monologue, is considering staying in Westport for the first time ever. She tells Hannah she's going to stay. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, right around this point is when she says both in, to herself and also starts to float the idea by Hannah of staying, which is the obvious to this book oh, from a reader's perspective because Tessa Bailey guarantees on the back blurb a happy ending. Well, that's the whole point of the genre. If yeah. there's not a happy ending, it's not a romance novel. We've never read a book where they don't end up together. If it's if there's not a happy ending, it's just women's fiction. That is true. <laughs> and then she went back to L.A. Totally different genre. Different genre. Yeah. But we got to talk about Seattle. Yes. So they go on a fancy vacation to Seattle. They need the chandelier for their bar. Yes, they yes. need the chandelier. So they stay in an extremely expensive hotel. Thousands of dollars. Where uh, Piper and Hannah get waxed in the hotel room. Together. Together. Which also happened on Vanderpump Rules. Yes, it did. Oh my god. You're right. Um, Tessa Bailey, is this book inspired by any characters on Vanderpump Rules? I can see it. That fancy hotel was a little strange for me. Like, I I understood how Brendan was trying to do a nod towards Piper and her, her luxuriousness. But also, it took away from Piper's, like graduation to not needing that kind of mm. stuff. Mm. But Brendan didn't know that. He thought that she still needed him to be a certain way. Yeah, this whole time he's like, she has to have champagne. That's true. She's going to wear fancy her. shoes, so I need to pick her up. Yeah. Like, you know, we need to show her that she can still have those luxuries here. He's, I guess, like his yeah. thought process at this point. And that's when he's like, I'm going to really shopping point. and all that stuff. But while in the meantime, she's realizing, like, oh, I don't need this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she so. hasn't told him that. We just get that from her yeah. point of view. So. Yeah. That's a good point. Until he offers to buy her the jeans. And yeah. then she's like, no, no, no. And then he's like, I'll take a lot of them. Yeah. With my crab she, money. With my crab money. She <laughs> also literally money. says... Um, I've, I, today I learned the value of money. <laughs> also, why did they bang in the dressing room? Like, I was like, this has got to happen. They didn't yeah, bang. They didn't bang. No. Not fully. It was a little like. It was foreplay. It was yeah. a little teasy, some, yeah. yeah. Some, some more pain from Brendan's <laughs> Yeah. They, uh, Katie and I have talked about this scene and I think multiple episodes not about this book. Of yeah. This is the hottest thing a man has ever done is in any romance novel. Buy her multiple pairs of jeans yeah. just slam down his credit card. <laughs> it's all I want in life. <laughs> so, oh, but they go to Seattle. <laughs> Hannah and Fox go to some record expo. Brendan and Piper have these nice moments of, you know, both of their worlds can kind of exist together. Brendan, because he's rich. Apparently. Apparently. Secret millionaire. Secret millionaire. It is a trope. It is a trope. Secret millionaire and secret billionaire. Yeah, this one's a little more reasonable, I guess. Yeah. But usually it's like, I inherited billions from my rich uncle and just never told you about it. This one is, this one at least tracks. This is Piper not realizing how much things cost. Yeah. So, makes sense. Uh, But they have some nice moments where they, yes, he goes and buys her a lot of jeans. They go to lunch together and he has tiramisu and he likes it. Uh, Wait. The man who never tries anything new is trying something new and exotic and liking it. See, you're getting it. Oh my god. <laughs> They're changing each other for the better. That's the point. Growing together. And then they fuck in the hotel room. So while they're in Seattle, Kirby calls Piper and is like, you're on the cover of LA Weekly. Everyone wants to know when you're going to return. 
And Piper kind of takes this phone call privately away from Brendan and is like, I don't really want to go back to LA. But, you know, she kind of brushes it off with Brendan. Brendan is like, tell me what happened. And she, this is when they admit they love each other. Yeah, her internal monologue this whole time is like, I'm struggling over the fact that I know internally that I love this person. But then at the almost exact same moment, right after he bought me all the jeans, I got this notice from LA that I suddenly am on the cover of LA Weekly with no help from anyone. And I haven't been there. I mean... It's a little improbable, but... Deeply weird, deeply strange, that they didn't reach out to her about a cover story that was about her. She's still on Instagram. Yeah, she's easy to find. Yeah, whatever. Journalism rules aside. No no journalism is ever represented accurately in any of these books. As we've learned. But so, yeah, this is, they get in their first, like, little argument here. This wasn't, like, the big blowout fight. Spoiler, it happens a little bit later. But this is their first, like, little argument. And it does show, like, Piper wrestling with these little bit of inner demons and Brendan, like, being a bit stubborn in his own way, I guess. A bit demandy. Yeah. Yeah. And he knows, and it's acknowledged, I think, even before this, that he's like, I know that I'm asking, like, on almost impossible amount of this person if Mm -hmm. I'm asking her to stay. Brendan grunts a lot of times during this scene. Yeah, he's just like, Ugh. yeah. Brendan's just is always grunting. He's just, just like Ugh. an affirmative grunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of picture him as like a Neanderthal type character, like Ugh. that. Ugh. You're not incorrect. Yeah, that that feels right. But yeah, so then they then they go back home. Piper and Hannah move in with Brendan for like a hot second until we get the blow up fight. Yeah, that is an extension of. This earlier fight. Yes. So, you know, we had the nice moment of Piper acknowledging that, like, she thinks she does want to stay in Westport. And she really loves Brendan, even though they've known each other for five minutes. But they're in love. A month. Yeah. We learn. A month. Yeah. Fair enough. Whatever. But, you know, she's kept kind of these avenues to go back home open where Daniel was going to come see the bar. Kirby was going to throw her this return party. That she did not say that she didn't want to happen. Yeah. Brendan sees these things and he's like, I don't believe you actually want to stay here. I'm going to go spend the night on the boat. And she's like, I'll be on the dock tomorrow. You can trust me. Yeah, because he's about to leave again. Yeah, he's going on another three-day fishing trip, like Mm -hmm. a shorter one. And she's like, I'm going to be there tomorrow. Just you wait. You're going to see. I want to be here. I want to be with you, etc. Whatever. Uh, And so... She's upset. They're both upset. And then the next morning, she does her routine of where she goes to take Abe to the museum. And then what does poor Abe do but fall? Yeah. And so then she has to deal with the fallout of that and it and misses meeting Brendan at the boat. So, of course, she's like, fuck, he thinks that I chose L.A. Yes. And some of the wives are not quite so nice to her. No. Because she's. Yeah, they are mean. Because she's crying on the dock because she thinks that she lost him forever. And they're like, you got to be harder than this. And I'm like, God, okay. okay, Fine. But that's her final transition. That's like her her crowning into becoming a a Westport citizen. A a fisherman's woman. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, that's true. That is true. 
Yeah, so then while Brendan's gone, they're preparing for their Labor Day party at the bar, which is done, or almost done. The grand opening. The grand opening, yes. And then nobody shows up at the party. No. <laughs> no, and we later learned that there was a decent reason for this. No, but it's so sad but at first. The only person who shows up is, is one of the worst side characters. I hate Mick. The town Mick. Grouch. We have beef. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mick shows up. Brendan's father-in-law, it has since been revealed. Mick was originally nice, but then... It's, like, revealed that, like, Mick and Brendan have this weird hostage-like volatility of... Austin doesn't like Mick. I don't like Mick, I hate no. Mick. I don't like Mick. And and he finally, like, shows up to the bar and is like, you'll never be her, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the best He's basically like, you can't replace my daughter. Thanks for the beer. Bye. No, he doesn't even, even yeah, take he a beer. Have no. a he just sits there and is Which, like, all right, like, well, good to see you for 30 seconds. Like, Goodbye. Big miss on Piper and uh, her sister's part. Like, you got to suck, bud. In the <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah. Because, like, you, if you're opening a bar in a, any place, you gotta know your clientele. Yeah, like, that's true. She's like, we've got some local craft beers. IPAs, Come on. Uh, yeah, local but IPAs. Also, yeah. he could have taken her recommendation. He could have. He could have, he could have been a, a dick. Nice, yeah, He's I hate him. Gross. Mick is a dick. Yeah. Mick is a dick. I hate him. But eventually, he is remorseful. Yes. So after an entire book of shenanigans yes. on his part. So no one shows up on time. Hannah sees how distraught Piper is about everything that's happened and basically is like, go to L.A., go home. And Piper listens to her. And then, conveniently, three hours later, the town shows up and Brendan shows up. Because it turns out there was a fire on an oil rig and everyone was concerned. Everyone was waiting to see if somebody who lived in Westport was going to, you know, be okay. The fire, you know, everything's fine, but they wanted to make sure before they... Went and partied at the bar. Yeah, and it also delayed Brendan's ship from getting home. Yes. So that's why everyone was late. But Piper doesn't know because she's gone. Yeah. She thought the whole town hated her, <laughs> which is, it's I think, so a feeling sad. that everyone can relate to. <laughs> right. So sad. Yeah, and it's really so sad. But Brendan shows up. Hannah tells him everything, like she left, whatever. And so Brendan's like, guess I'm going to Los Angeles. To this big party that her strange friend Kirby is throwing her. Okay, boys, talk to us about the party. Okay, so <laughs> I have a few issues with the party. Um, Brendan is a committed guy in this moment, right? Like, he is in for it. He is going to do whatever it takes to get her back. Last minute flight to L.A., $500 cover... For this party like we yeah, know to that get in we know that brendan is rich but like damn <laughs> he's <laughs> like, loaded yes Do and 500 covers even exist that's a great maybe. problem maybe i don't know tessa let us know did you go to a 500 dollars cover party <laughs> i mean i'm sure there's like you know things that are even more yeah, exclusive or expensive like but like ticket. Yeah. yeah yeah but still it's like brendan shows up and She's emerging from the stage on an electric unicorn. Unicorn. 
A unicorn. I was picturing it like a mechanical bull, but a unicorn? Stop. Yeah, like Because it... they say mechan the first reference says mechanical uniform and unicorn. And I'm like, well I know what image that conjures in my head. Okay, so I have to tell you, when I was rereading this, I couldn't quite remember what happened at the end, and I thought it was Brendan who arrived on the mechanical <laughs> uniform. <laughs> That'd be better. I remembered that he showed up at the party. I forgot about the unicorn, so that was delightful to revisit. Yes. Yeah, so that was my problem with the party, but the thing I loved about the party scene was when her old, like, shitty ex-boyfriend comes up and is like, hey, we should get a drink. (laughs) And they're like, Brendan flicked him aside like an ant. (laughs) That's my, I love picturing that entire part with Brendan. I just like him stiff-arming these, like, L.A. hipsters out of the way (laughs) with his masculine body and his, his large size. And, and his beanie. His, his non-caring And he of these. takes the beanie off and holds it to his chest. <laughs> That's, I was like, it's like okay. dog, are, you, are you like saying the Pledge of Allegiance? Like, what's going on here? Like, my woman on that unicorn <laughs> yeah. is really doing it for me. Yeah. Oh. But the light show sounded cool. I mean, Kirby, was, she could flick the wand. I was like, yeah. Sounds like a sick party. It's, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, you know what? They're going to play some EDM bangers. Probably so. But the book ends pretty abruptly after that. They reunite. Yeah. He takes her home. Yeah, this was probably my like least favorite part of the book. Oh, interesting. Is Tell the us ending. More. Because it's just this wrapping up of like very like mushy, unrealistic suspension of reality from both of them. And it's just like it's literally like reads like the lyrics of never gonna give you up. Like it's like <laughs> this like oh, like comically caricature-ish thing, like wrap up bow on everything. It, it felt really rushed to me. Mm-hmm. Like like within 50 pages of the book ending, it feels like Tessa Bailey was just like, she was like, I just have to finish this shit, pretty much. It's a long book, and the, the ending is yeah. quite rushed. And a lot of Tessa Bailey books have an epilogue, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. one doesn't. Yeah, it does. This one does. It's like a page and a half. Oh, well, yeah. It's when Hannah leaves, yeah. Yeah, but usually they have like a one year later or a Mm -hmm. two year, you know, like a extended time period. Also, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not trying to poke holes in this, but again, where the hell is Opal? Like, they had the (laughs) grand opening of the bar and they don't even mention Opal? She's gone. I don't know. (laughs) She's not there. She She hung out with those new friends that she made. She took too many tequila shots, fell in the ocean. I don't know. Yeah, poor Opal. (laughs) Opal also fell and cracked her head. (laughs) (laughs) Along with Abe. Piper wasn't there to see her. Yeah. Opal's somewhere. Don't worry. Opal's in the second book. Opal comes back. Okay. We love Opal. Cool. But yeah, so they get there happily ever after, however unrealistic it may be. Yeah, welcome to romance. Yeah. A guaranteed happy ending. Yep. Yeah. I, I was thinking a lot about, you know, I really like to w- read sci-fi, which is kind of my own, you know, fantasy world, right? And s- like Star Wars, it's kind of this, no offense to Tessa Bailey, but it's like kind of brainless reading, you know? Like you can kind of read this stuff and not think about it too much. You don't got to get into the deep meaning too much or really remember these characters like crazy. <clears throat> but I, I was trying to put myself into the perspective of like, I like to take myself to this kind of fantasy world of sci-fi, you know? And, you know, like why didn't this click more with me like it does with you, Katie? You know, and it was just interesting thinking about, you know, like I said earlier, you know, some of that those parts in the book where there's just this commentary on her feelings and things like that. It was hard for me to 
relate to a little bit or really get into. Um, but it kind of opened my mind to being like, well, you know, maybe that's something I could expand about myself mm. rather than these stupid sci-fi books where it's just like space. But you could and relate like to that. being a Jedi? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won. But it's interesting you say that, right? Because it's like, like, I don't want to derail this conversation too much, but the Jedi, they have these like inhuman capabilities that make mm. life easy, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Mm. These the people lack like, of feelings. yeah, the lack of feelings, and it makes life seem easy for them. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, they have, it's easy for them. Whereas in these romance books, it's like, Secret Millionaire makes Secret life Millionaire, easy. this guy who essentially says nothing wrong the entire book. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Like, they don't, I mean, they have a fight, but it's like, oh, are we going to stay together or not? Like, that's the, the extent of their fight. It's not like, oh, Brendan, like, you know, you blew me off because you want to go fishing with the boys or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, it was just interesting trying to, like, comparing those two types of things to me. That is interesting. That is part of the reason that I was like, these are like your Star Wars books, but they're they're my version. And it's like yeah. a different perspective, yeah. yeah. And it's like the perfect relationship. Where it was, maybe it wasn't easy, but I mean, in the end, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it was not, it's not real life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're both similarly like forms of escapism. In exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 which is kind of cool. Austin, did you learn anything about women? About romance. <laughs> Reading this book. Um, I think the biggest thing for me with this book was like the idea that even people who are very like privilege like piper might still have this like almost fully relatable from anybody's perspective idea that i am just like everyone else Mm. and like piper has this like constantly nagging like self-deprecating kind of feeling of like there are a million girls like me like i'm not special like i don't have anything and then this bearded sea captain comes in and tells her that she is everything and it's like this you know no matter i think that's relatable even though the character of piper is not relatable for a lot of people Uh, like the fact that she finds that out and that development of character i think is a is something that a lot of people can relate to yeah well and it's interesting since she wrote this during covid I mean, we are all having crazy social media burnout. I mean, COVID is really when this whole social media burnout, like this kind of like looking down on all these weird things we do online is like people are just looking at it more and, you know, being like, oh, I want to get away from it, but it's hard to and. It's interesting how... That is interesting. And also mirrored the story of the book in a lot of ways because during that time period of COVID, like, a lot of people were moving from big cities to small towns. Yeah, I was going to say Wanting to, like, start a bar or rediscover their roots or whatever that case may be. Not as many people around. Or just, like, moving back in with their parents or whatever, just, like, going home. That's interesting. Hallmark movie-esque in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't Mm. thought about that. I didn't either. That's a good point. Very insightful. Austin and I are watching a lot of Fixer Upper right now, and this uh, did remind me of, wow, wouldn't life be cool if we could just fix up stuff? <laughs> if we just had unlimited resources from our stepdad to figure yeah. out whatever we <laughs> wanted. Redo our bar. Abigail, what are you reading right now? 
Oh, other than this question, I am finally picking up a book I bought last summer, The Summer Job by Lizzie Dent, which is about a woman who fakes being a sommelier, <laughs> which is... this might be my next romance read. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I romance it romance. is. It's kind of oh, women's yeah. fiction, okay. and I'm not very far into it. So far, no one in this book is likable, but I think that's kind of the point. Uh, but that's what I'm reading right now. It's one I bought last summer during Barnes & Noble's like big paperback sale, and then left in my stack because I didn't pick it up soon enough, and then it was not summer, and I didn't want to read it not in the summer. Mm. So, yeah, I started it by the pool earlier this week. I was trying to remember if this was the one that I read and didn't really like, and it is, so I'll be interested. I was very lukewarm on it. Okay, well, hopefully I finish it. Yeah. Because I definitely have a streak of starting a book, and then I hate everyone, and I won't finish it. Yeah, I I don't remember. I read it. I had the arc of it, so I read it, like, years ago, but um, I remember being, like, I want to keep reading this, but I don't think I'm having a good time, but maybe it will improve. <laughs> mm, okay, we shall see. Yeah, it's got four stars on Amazon and 3.6 on Goodreads, so I don't Okay, know. that's yeah. not too bad. Katie, what are you reading? I am reading the new Rachel Lynn Solomon that came oh. out in June. Um, it's called Business or Pleasure. You would fucking love it, but it's unhinged. So it's... Um, a, a ghostwriter. I've read so many books about ghostwriters lately. She's a journalist turned ghostwriter. She writes a book for a very Rachel Hollis-like character, um, and it does not go well. And so she's at a bar and meets a guy and has a one-night stand. Then the next day has a meeting. The one-night stand is bad. The sex is bad. It's horrible. It is described in explicit detail of how unfun it is. Oh, great. Then the next day, she's like, so she gets a call from her agent. This new, this celebrity wants, uh, celebrity that was on like a very like, CW type show, in like ten years ago, um, and is now sort of on the Comic Con circuit. Wants, a, wants a book. Surprise! It's him. Oh wow! Who'd have thunk? And so then they have to travel to all these Comic Cons together, and she agrees to give him sex lessons. It's insane <laughs> but oh it's all God. the stuff we like it's celebrities it's it's so silly it's unhinged oh my god yeah it's insane but it's delightful it's very funny okay we do love rachel and solomon on we the do there is a reference to the x talk in the book that made me like make a physical noise out of my body <laughs> so they all exist in the same universe apparently we all now right. know um, what are you guys reading? Yeah. Um, I am reading a very interesting book that has no dialogue, so I can actually pay attention to it without <laughs> skipping ahead. Um, it's called Unreasonable Hospitality. It's a leadership book by a guy named Will Gadara, who was the owner and general manager of the number one restaurant in the world based in New York. And it's basically just about like how you can take the idea of making somebody feel good through your interactions with them rather than just like doing the service that you're at that you're being asked to do um yeah it's it's a really cool inspirational leadership driven book yeah, it's a restaurant nice. it's a restaurant man book yeah what about you ryan <clears throat> i'm reading exhalation stories by ted chang oh the same guy it's another short story stories of book. your life and, and others was his first one it's great yep. others may know it from the movie arrival Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies. 
I see that you bought that on your Amazon. Did you realize that I purchased that book for you and it's on that bookshelf that's behind Austin? Shoot, no, I didn't. <laughs> I bought it for you years ago when I it came out. I wanted to support Ted. Yeah. Two copies now. Yeah, yeah. this is a two, two copy household. I, it's somewhere over there. I think it's on the bottom shelf. I don't know. But um, next time it will be us again, and we're actually reading a non romance. I know. We're mixing it up a little bit, but we couldn't resist because this book sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, do, should we do the blurb? Sure, let's do the blurb. Okay. So we are going to read Goodbye Earl by Lisa Cross-Smith, Cross Smith, is one of my favorite writers. Um, I really loved her short story collection. Um, and it came out, it comes out tomorrow as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So as this comes out, it came out yesterday, two days ago, something like that. Um, so here's the blurb. In 2004, Rosemarie, Ada, Caroline, and Casey are in their final days of high school and on the precipice of all the things teenagers look forward to when anything in life seems possible, from falling in love to finding their dream jobs to becoming who they were meant to be. In 2019, Casey has returned to her small southern hometown of Goldie for the first time since high school, and she still hasn't even told her closest friends the truth of what really happened that summer after graduation or what made her leave so abruptly without looking back. Now reunited with her friends and Goldie for a wedding, she's determined to focus on the simple joy of being together again. But when she notices troubling signs that one of them might be in danger, she is catapulted back to that fateful summer. This time, Casey refuses to let the worst moments of her past define her. This time, she knows how to protect those she loves at all costs. Really, we chose this one based on the vibes and the title. We are big chicks fans yes we are big chicks fans um and this is the the tagline is it's goodbye earl colon a revenge novel what why wouldn't we do it of course we're gonna read this book so thank you for indulging us as we read a non-romance novel together we're gonna mix it up this one has good summer vibes it feels like uh and also revenge vibes this is still women-centered yes so we can make an argument for it it's got everything the chicks reference Lisa Cross Smith. There's pie on the cover. Cherry pie. A wedding. And a knife on the Uh, cover. (laughs) Probably murder. Probably murder. We're thrilled. Yes. See y'all next time.